Hi, I'm Suraj Partha. Welcome to Art in All Its Forms. Thanks so much for listening. So a couple of announcements before we get into the conversation I had with my guest. As many of you know, Art in All Its Forms is now a podcast and newsletter. So I wanted to update you on the format and schedule of Art in All Its Forms. First off, there will be Art in All Its Forms podcast episodes every other week on Fridays. On the opposite Fridays, I will be sending out an email newsletter. Uh, the newsletter has two parts an essay that I write on a plethora of artistic subjects, and a rundown of all the artistic material that has inspired me for that week. It can be music, movies, visual art, literature, and more. You can subscribe to the newsletter and see all of the past and present content at artinallitsforms.substack.com. S-U-B-S-T-A-C-K.com. Substack is the platform I'm using to put out the newsletter, now, I wanted to clarify a few things because I've been getting uh, some questions from listeners or readers about this. First of all, if you subscribe to the newsletter on Substack, you will also get the podcast episodes in your inbox and a link to listen to them on the web. The Art and All Its Forms Substack website will have all the past and present content on it, both the podcast and the newsletter, in case you miss something and want to take a look or listen. It basically acts as a personal blog. You can also, however, still listen to the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps, whether it be Apple Music or Spotify or Pocket Casts. That's the way I listen to the podcast. But it's available either way. Finally, a quick note. Some people have been receiving the newsletter in their promotions on Gmail. So if you want it to show up in your inbox instead, you can just relabel it to inbox or just drag it to the inbox. And from then on, it won't get relegated to promotions or spam. Okay, uh, thanks so much for listening to that, and uh, now to the episode. Today I'm speaking with Sari Arambolo. Sari is an actor, producer, and digital creative. An LA native, she is best known for portraying Grace on NBC's Peacock hit comedy AP Bio, which just aired its third season. In addition, she has also guest starred on a myriad of shows like ABC's Modern Family and Netflix's Alexa and Katie. Additionally, Sari is a graduate from USC with a degree in communications, French, and cinematic arts. She currently works for Luminous Studios, a production company that specializes in branded content, where she serves as an associate producer. Most recently, she co-executive produced and hosted AP Bio the Podcast, the first podcast ever launched by the Peacock Network, which is NBC Universal's streaming service. She's also launching a new production company with some fellow USC filmmakers and is serving as a creative director and head of branding. Sari, thank you so much for talking with me. <laughs> Hey, Serge. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So just so the audience knows, like we met each other at USC and we were both co-founders of Taft, Trojan Actors for Film and Television. I know I had Alan as my first guest and then now you. So it's like yes. the Taft family has been on this podcast now. Always around. I love it. <laughs> and then we also shared the, the same manager, Will Douglas. Yes, I know. And I mean, thanks to you. That's how I found Will. So thanks to you for that. <laughs> so, so many connections. I mean, we were just talking about this in the, in the pre-show that it's just a, such a small world. And I feel like the further we go along as actors and as creatives, like we start to feel that more and more that all the people we know are like connected in very, very like concrete ways, which is, I feel, a really nice place to be. Yeah, totally. So I guess first off, I wanted to start with growing up in LA. Most actors I know came from somewhere else. There's this old joke about LA that no one's actually from here. Yes, exactly. And, but like, but you are though. So what was it like to, to be around the entertainment industry and then I guess eventually decide you wanted to be a part of it? It is so interesting because I always call myself like a unicorn because there's so few of us who are actually from LA. Um, but growing up here, I mean, I really loved my childhood and have such fond memories thinking upon it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I grew up in more so like Marina del Rey, Playa del Rey area, which isn't like technically LA when you think of LA, I think. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to, to be able to have grown up in more of a suburb 
where it's, I was in a smaller bubble, um, and it felt more like a suburb with, I had friends and neighbors and I would just be, I had such a happy go lucky childhood and going to school and doing regular kid things outside and playing. Um, and then if I ever, like, once I actually started getting into the business, it was more like an adventure of like, Oh, now we're going to LA because I'm going to go and like get into a car and go to an audition or a studio or something like that. It kind of felt like there was some sort of divide between like my home life and then like the LA acting life. Yeah, no, I even me where I, you know, live and went to high school up in La Crescenta, it doesn't quite feel like Los Angeles. Yeah, yeah, I feel like you grew up in a similar like situation cuz it was more like a neighborhood um, versus like you're growing up in the heart of Studio City, right? <laughs> yeah, no, no, right, exactly. So did you go to like regular high school and everything? You never and you never were never homeschooled, were you? Yeah, so I, I was super close to getting homeschooled um, once like my acting career kind of like started taking off, but I had always done normal school. I actually went to Catholic school all through like kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, um, I went to a co-ed school and then, um, went to an all girls Catholic high school, which was such an experience, uh, definitely want to write a pilot or something <laughs> about that at some point. Um, but yeah, so, so I never did homeschooling. I, I almost did my senior year. It was kind of getting hard to juggle both acting and school. And I was like, Hmm, maybe I should just give homeschooling a shot, but I'm actually glad that I, I had more of that normal school experience because I loved like going to school and getting that education. It was always super important to me and my family. And I was always very involved. I was on student council. I was, would go to basketball practices, like in the musical at school. Um, so I really got, I'm really happy when I look back and, and I'm glad that I was able to have that full experience as a, as a kid and growing up. I agree with you. I remember I had this, funny moment. I was hanging out at some party with my uh, friend Aramis, who was in Ender's Game with me. And I was in college, so this is maybe like my freshman year, or my sophomore year at USC. And all of them were like 18, 19, and had all been actors or, or models or were actors or models in the in the industry. And I remember I told them, I was like, yeah, I go to USC. And they were like, what's that like? What is school like? Yeah. You know, they were asking me about my high school. Like, did you go to prom? And it's just, I was like, wow, there's such an like difference in experience. I think between people who decided to go through like Laurel Springs, you know, like online school. Yes. I was about to say that is like such the, for the, the people listening, Laurel Springs is such a like quintessential homeschooling program for people in LA. <laughs> It's like everyone has been a part, like I, I, so many people I know have been a part of that like program. I think that was the homeschooling program that I was looking into. <laughs> Somehow like being in school, it, I don't know if you felt this way, that it insulated me from the industry in a way that I appreciated. Oh, for sure. It, it definitely keeps you grounded in a way. Um, and also, like, I feel like we're also really lucky that we had the opportunity to, like, be close to family um, yeah. and, like, grow up acting, but also have the support of our family around. Um, and I think it just makes you a more well-rounded individual. And I don't know, I feel like when you're acting as an actor, you're playing these kids who are, like, you're playing roles where they live a, so sometimes a normal life like they go to high school they they go to college like they live these normal experiences so I think it only helps your acting and your craft um, at the end of the day because you've you've actually lived those sort of experiences I mean I think it also kept my mind off of oh, as much as possible whether I got the role didn't get the role what about the competition with other actors you know because like it's very easy I think when you're younger to get kind of psyched out definitely and to really feel like every person in the room is against you and, you know, you have to kind of try to live up to something. But I always found that it was really helpful to be like, well, all right, that was fun. It's time for me to go do, you know, real homework. And then I have like band practice or I have this other responsibility or I'm really, really in engaged with other kids in a club or something at school. Mm -hmm. It just made it so that acting wasn't the, even though it was the thing that I felt was the most important thing maybe in my life, it wasn't the only thing. And I think that was a big deal. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, 
I felt similarly where I remember like when I first started auditioning as, as a kid um, and just doing commercials at the time, I saw it as a fun thing, not something to be scared of or, or afraid um, or stressed about. It literally was uh, just like any other extracurricular. Like I would go to basketball practice, I'd have an audition, and then um, I'd go to dance class, right? And it And it just was you know, just something fun and you're doing it for the joy of it versus getting really nervous or like really focusing on, oh, I need to get that role. It's all about that balance and being able to really be grounded as well as like pursue your career, I think is really important to like continue this, this path. So how did you decide on acting specifically? I mean, it's obviously you had a very, I think, active time as a, as a kid and just in middle school, high school and all of that. So how did you decide that it was going to be acting and it wouldn't be dance or, or basketball for that matter? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I've, I've kind of always had this sort of acting bug in me. I was always that like really outgoing child, loved to talk to adults. Um, and also like now that I think about it, I was very empathetic, which I think is a great quality to have as an actor. And I remember in kindergarten, um, I would have kids crying on my shoulder and just needing comfort because they didn't want to go to school and I'd be like it's okay like we can just go to school and it's gonna be fine (laughs) and um just always being like that shoulder to cry on which I hope I I feel like I still am today which is which is fun but yeah I always was that really outgoing kid and and eventually like my mom caught on and was like okay let's put her in dance classes let's put her in musical theater like let's just do all the different things and I'm, I'm still to this day like that I love like having a hand in a bunch of different activities and passions and I remember like getting an agent through like just through one of my acting classes that I was taking at the time and and then that snowballed into just doing more so commercials and I found them really fun and I think the moment where I was like, oh, wow, this is this is everything that I could possibly want was the first commercial I shot. Um, it was for a SpongeBob commercial, I think. Um, but that's awesome. I know. I know. It was really fun. It like just happened super fast. And I was on a set for the first time, like, I, I don't know, I was like 10 maybe. And being on that set, I will never forget the scent. I mean, most sets are similarly, like they smell similar, but um, just being on a set and like the lights and the people and all the movement and there were other kids on the set and we were just like all having fun. And I remember being like, wow, this is like the best thing ever. I need more of this now. (laughs) Um, So I think that was the moment I like really got entranced and captivated by like particularly film and tv this is kind of a weird question but when so how old were you when you got an agent oh um well i got my first agent maybe around like 10 but but for me like at the time i'm 10 i'm like yeah (laughs) acting's cool acting's great like but i like we said like i had i did basketball i was on student count like all this other stuff so it wasn't until high school when i was around 17 that I actually started like honing in on just acting and started like dropping the other extracurriculars because I was always super involved in school. So that was when I started going out for film and TV. You know, it's such an interesting experience, I think, having an agent or manager early when you're a kid. When I talk to a lot of people who graduated from the School of Dramatic Arts at USC and they're looking to try and get representation on the other side of it, I mean, I almost, I almost feel bad that I have almost zero advice to offer because I was like, it just kind of happened. I know, me too. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I just, and in some ways, like it's, it's for a lot of actors, it's their, one of their like tentpole moments, you know, when I got an agent or when I got into the union. And both of those moments happened for me when I was, I think by the time I was 16, I was already had an agent. It was in SAG. Like it was pretty much you know, done and dusted. So I was just talking to my mom today and I was like, do you remember when I got my, my SAG card? Like when I was a must join? Cause I, I couldn't remember. And she was like, Oh, I think you were like this age and you were doing that. I was like, Oh yeah. Like I, I totally get that. Like I, obviously I'm grateful for it. Um, I'm grateful for all those things to happen to me. And I'm, I'm really glad that it happened at a young age. Cause now I think it's, it's a bit easier you feel like you're grandfathered into the whole system in a, in a big yeah, way, you know? Yeah, sort of. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I think it also gives it, it really makes me appreciate my parents and yes. my mom who more so was the one who was like 
figuring all that stuff out for me. For sure. So then what roles had you done, I guess, by the time before you got into USC or before you went to, to college? So before I got to USC, I, I had done a bunch of commercials and then um, switched more to film and TV. My first like film TV credit from like when I was about like just starting out was on a show called See Dad Run on hmm. Nickelodeon, Nick at Night, uh, starring Scott Baio. It was one of those where it was like, oh, it, it it just happened. I'm on set that like a couple days later, like it really was that fast. And it was such a whirlwind. It was a sitcom and like I absolutely loved it. So I did that. Um, I've gone to IMDb now. <laughs> the, the, oh, the usual nice. Play. <laughs> you pulled it up. Um, so you did Girl Meets World? I did do Girl Meets World. Oh, yeah. I did that in high school um, before I went to USC. That one was really fun as well. Uh, Steiner Blockcasting. Um, ah, yes. Oh, and I did Perception on TNT. And that one was really fun because I usually did comedies. And so getting to do a drama, I was getting interrogated by the FBI. <laughs> oh, those are those are like the bread and butter roles. Those are I great. Know, I know. I was like, oh, I've made it. Um, and it, I was playing like a credit card theft operator. Yeah, I think a funny story about that, those two, the C-Dad run and the perception, uh, a story that I think about because this is such a quintessential acting moment. Um, so I, I actually shot C-Dad run and I shot an episode and then they went on hiatus and then they came back. And while they were on hiatus, I booked perception oh. and I was like, oh, this is great, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm like about to work it. And then see dad run calls and they're like, oh, we actually want her to come back. I wasn't a recurring character at the time, but they wanted to bring me back as a recurring character. Oh, but I already had said yes to perception oh, and Lord. they were shooting at literally the same time. Oh, that's so frustrating. <laughs> and so I couldn't, I, um, I, I couldn't work both. So I did perception um, and I do not regret it. I think it was like, one of the best experiences I, I had as an actor um, and I really grew from it. But then the other job ended up like being a recurring role that had multiple episodes. So it was just something I was like, Oh no, of course, like when it rains, it pours. Like I probably booked like that was, those were probably the only two roles I booked that year. And of course they happen at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure you've experienced like things like that. And as an actor, like that is just like bound to happen. Well, there's like a there, you know, I I've talked about this with multiple, I guess, managers where they're like, this is how, you know, you're going to like get a callback is book a very expensive, non-refundable ticket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> to anywhere else in the world. Exactly. And that's anywhere when you else. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things that, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it. And it, it, it gets easier in some ways, but it also never gets easier. Like when those like scheduling conflicts things happen or when um, you're very close to something and it doesn't happen, those yep. can be particularly tough moments. But, mm -hmm. you know, we I think part of the job, I think, is is weathering it. I honestly feel like it's part of like the actor job description that like we isn't talked about as much. It's like it's not just being on set. Auditioning is such a part of being an actor. And I think being able to have the resilience to handle rejection is another part of being an actor that, you know, people gloss over sometimes, but. I think there's a saying that's like the, the job is the audition and then the actual booking and being on set is when you get to play. Like that's the reward. Right. I'm toying with the idea, but I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to have like a one art and all its forms episode with a couple of different artists from different fields. Um, and it's going to be all about like, their rejection stories like stories where something went wrong oh that's so fun that's a great idea Serge. really so i'm gonna i'm gonna put that together i may ask you to to be i'll ask a bunch of people to be a part sure. of it i have so many of these come at me with any i'm i'm ready for it <laughs> well so let's talk about you deciding to go to, to usc because i feel like this is you know for people who are not actors it's maybe just an obvious decision that, you know, you, you do high school and then you're going to go to college. Um, but most people who are interested in having a career as, a, as an actor in film and television in L.A. don't think about going to college necessarily. But you did. So what, why did you decide to, to go to school? 
So education, like I said, has always been important to me and my family. And I always actually wanted to have the that college experience. It's funny you mentioned it because I, I was considering actually taking a leave of absence, not a leave of absence, just like a gap year and maybe pursuing acting and then going going to school. But I ended up just, just applying and seeing where it took me because I knew like maybe I could just like defer. And so I actually almost went to NYU. I was so close to going. Um, it was basically between NYU and USC. But then USC offered me this program where I could study abroad my freshman year and then go to USC. And I was like, well, first of all, this was the first year they were offering it. And the only place they were offering it was in Paris. And I was like, okay, this is just a little too perfect. I've studied French like all throughout high school. I did a study abroad, like a foreign exchange program with not my French best friend, who's still my best friend to this day. And um, I was like, I have to do this. So I ended up taking a year off and then um, going to Paris and then coming back. But obviously I was drawn to USC for uh, like the film school, like the entertainment aspect of it. Um, and also the fact that of where it's located, it's in LA um, and I would still be able to audition. I guess I, I, could, I can ask just how did you balance it out? Because it's just super, I mean, you know, you had already worked a bunch. And so I imagine that, you know, you had a, a lot of auditions and it's, it's busy. It's busy to try and maintain, you know, an, a career as an undergrad and then, you know, also as a, as an actor. Yeah, it was, there was definitely an adjustment period. Um, I will say that after I got back, uh, from France. Um, but I think I, I think I was ready to take on the challenge of balancing both college and acting. Uh, just to, just to give a little caveat, I actually didn't study, um, acting. So I, I was, uh, in obviously, as you said, in like the communication school of French and cinematic art. So I wrote, I was writing a lot of papers, giving a lot of presentations, um, really, uh, working hard, um, in terms of my education, that balance thing, like I wouldn't have had it any other way. I'm so glad that I studied something else other than acting. Um, obviously, like I have so much respect for the actors who are committed to their craft and, and are, are studying it for all four years. And if they're in the BFA, BA, whatever, it's like really a testament to their commitment. But I also, when I look at my own career and aspirations, I don't just see myself acting. Like obviously it's my passion and then what I love to do, but I feel like I have so much more to offer the world in terms of what I have to say and my own creative voice. Yeah, in some ways, it's what this podcast is about. You know, this whole platform for me is just trying to make sense of the fact that you never know what connections you're going to make and which ones will be valuable to you as an actor or as an artist. Seriously. So then to make kind of a, <laughs> an interesting segue. So you were on <laughs> AP Bio. Yes. You know, which I will kind of, well, obviously you can, we will talk more about it, but I'll just sort of lay out that so AP Bio was, it's a show that's now on Peacock, which was formerly on, formerly on NBC. Peacock is the streaming network of NBC. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Yeah. And I mean, this, this show is stacked, you know, because like it's created and produced <laughs> by like so many like former like, SNL writers and cast members, I know. Michael Bryan, and then it's co-produced by Seth Meyers and Lorne Michaels. Um, so first of all, like, tell me what the audition process was for this show. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, Serge, it was so fast. Um, <laughs> really? It, like, I feel like I snapped and it happened. Um, yeah, because I still remember when I got the call for AP Bio, um, I actually had two other auditions already that I was preparing for. And the night before I'm about to do, like, have these two auditions, I got a email from my team saying like oh hey like one last minute audition and I remember getting the breakdown and I was like oh it's fine and I like briefly looked over it um like saw the character I was like okay I can totally do this and then I saw the sides it was like a page and a half I was like oh this is easy I'll memorize it and just get it out of the like just not worry about it yep. and start focusing on these other ones because I had like a huge guest star, like for, I forget what show it was. And so anyway, the next day I go to the audition. It's with um, this casting office who 
I actually had been in for other shows. I think they cast like Santa Clarita Diet and I was just on a veil for another project with them. So it was great because they already knew me. I think there were maybe like 10 other people in the room. I just waited. I, I didn't even wait that long. I literally got there, sat there for like five minutes and then went into the room, did the scene once <laughs> and then I walked out. <laughs> that That's it? And that was the end. That was it. I literally walked in the room, said the lines, and left. And I didn't even get redirection or anything. And when when that happens, like some like as an actor, I know for all those listeners who are also actors, like you probably feel like, oh, like, okay, that that's it. Um, that, like usually I find that if I get redirection, that's like a good sign. So when I didn't get redirection, I was like, okay, well, whatever. That, that's fine. And then... Yeah. And then like maybe two days passed or so. And then my, my manager called me and was like, Hey, um, like you, like, I think she was doing something else. So there was like a lot of, she was just all of a sudden was just like, Hey, you, you booked it. I was like, I'm sorry. (laughs) What? (laughs) What did, what did I, I like had four auditions. Like, what did I, what did I book? And she was like, Oh, um, it's that, that Michael Bryan project, uh, AP Bio, like you're gonna have to be on set like a bunch, like for the semester, because <laughs> we were in the in the dead. I think it was like right before school started or something like that. Wait, this and is in 2018. Like, what? Yeah. This is in 20 2018. Fall of 20, or about to be fall of 2018. Okay. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> she goes, yeah, like they, they, it's a recurring role. Like you're going to be on set like next week and then you're going to have to, it wasn't even next week. I think it was like a couple days from then. Wow. And I remember like going through my phone so fast and trying to find the breakdown again and like really paying attention. You're like, What's the like, role oh again? Gosh. <laughs> what have I gotten? I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm so confused. It was like so fast. And I like looked through it and I was like, oh my God, like. Seth Meyers, Broadway video, Lauren Michaels, recurring role. Me. Like, I could barely believe it. I, I was like, what is happening? And then that was, that just like created this entire like whirlwind of events. Cause then I was like, okay, like I need to figure out if I'm going to be able to keep doing school at the same time. And, um, I had to like call my academic counselor and we figured it out, um, I ended up taking a leave of absence that semester just so I could focus on the show because I didn't really know what I was getting myself into. And like that for you, that turned into 34 episodes and like multiple seasons of the show. I know. And I had no idea. I literally had no idea. Uh, I remember showing up on set and everyone knew each other. And I was like, oh, because they shot the pilot together, blah, blah, blah. Um, And then I learned that my character was a, a recast um and so I was like oh wow everyone already knows I was a little intimidated and then I I at the time I didn't know how many episodes I was gonna shoot I thought I was just gonna shoot three four and then as every week I get kept getting called back and back and back and I was like okay I think I'm here to stay for a bit um but yeah I mean the journey of AP Bio has been crazy because then it like got canceled and then there was this whole um, outrage from fans who wanted it to keep going. So after season two, it got canceled and then it got revived. And so we did a season three on Peacock and then we just got picked up for season four. So congratulations. I, yeah, thanks. Thanks. Um, so we're supposed to go back uh, in March. So we'll see. So hopefully soon. But I mean, I think this story, I love telling this story because I feel like it goes to show like you never know what's like gonna happen next you never know what's waiting around the corner for you and I think for artists and for people who pursue creative passions or anything I think it just comes down to doing the work and knowing that eventually like it's gonna it's it's gonna happen for you you know that saying like luck is when preparation meets opportunity and I think that was the perfect blend of all those things happening what I wanted to ask you about is how how you feel as an actor different when you're on a show that you're on regularly compared to like a guest star. And in some ways I feel like AP bio, it it seems like, you know, in the beginning you do feel like you're just kind of a a day player, you know, you're there for a little bit and then, you know, the rest of the cast knows, you know, they know each other and you're necessarily, you know, you might be the, the outside person, but of course as time has gone on, I mean, and I know this because I know you and I've talked with you many times about this, that you really, you know, all the cast members really well and you guys are all like one big family now. So yeah, how does it feel? I mean, both personally to kind of be in that situation, 
uh, and feel that progression. But then also as an actor, how does it feel to just have a sort of a, a recurring guest star thing? And then all of a sudden it's like, no, 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 I'm on this show. There's definitely a difference. And I would say that this is the first time I was on a show where I like felt that camaraderie because it's it's really tough being a co-star, a guest star, a supporting on a show where you're only shooting a couple days. It I always compare it to being like the new kid in school where you're trying to figure out where you're going to sit at lunch. Like and the same thing happens when you're on set and it's it's lunchtime and everyone's getting their crafty and then you're like where do I sit now? <laughs> so true. That's so true. Wait, that's um, so funny. I never thought of it like that. It's exactly the same situation. So I do remember like obviously when you're a guest on a show, you're like so excited that you booked it. Um, but there is that like learning curve of like figuring out where, like just the protocol of everything on that set. Cause they're all very different. Um, and just like trying to make friends with the people who are always on that show. And then with AP bio, the, I mean, I feel so lucky that I ended up with like a cast who was so welcoming to me by the end of season one, we were really much a family. And I remember, I think it was episode six or eight. If you ask any of like the AP bio kids on the show, they will all say that the turning point for all of us in terms of our friendship was this one episode about a house party where we were like on location, super long hours, all stuck in a room together and like pretending we were drunk. And um, that was such a bonding moment. And it really... I hold it near and dear to my heart because that was the point where we were like, oh, like we're really close now. Um, and so now it feels like going back to AP Bio, it's like, wow, we're, it feels like easy. And I think it gives you, as an actor, it gives you confidence in your acting. I mean, it's always harder to act like in an audition when you're like super nervous and, and like thinking in your head. Um, but when you feel comfortable with your scene partners who are also like your friends in real life, I think it even creates more spontaneous moments and makes the acting that much more fun as well as just more captivating on screen. Sure. I mean, I can provide like the foil for that situation, which is, and, and we have this connection because we were both on Modern Family. Um, oh yeah. Oh my right. gosh. So funny. And like people always bring back or they always talk to me about the episode where I have to like kiss Alex and we have like this big makeout session, like on the track and, and I, they're like, Oh, what was that like? Like, what's it like to like be on that show? And I was like, listen, I had just met her like 8 a.m., just met Ariel Winter. And then like That's 45 scary. minutes later, <gasps> making out not like that's not an exaggeration. Right. And so when I look back at that, at my work on that show, I'm very proud of it. Um, and so I think I did a good job. But that was it was not uncomfortable because because like the, the, the cast or the crew was uncomfortable. It was incredibly welcoming. I have nothing but good things to say about that. It was just uncomfortable in the sense that. This is like the, it was the first big network thing I had ever done. And all of a sudden I'm like kissing this person and like, I just, just have met them. And that's a very, you know, it, you feel very different than how you would feel after ha ha having had a Doing couple of seasons a bunch with of them. Episodes. Right. Well, yeah. And, and first of all, like this is modern family we're talking about, like this is a huge network show. So I feel like, I don't know if I was in your position, I feel like I'd be really I'd have a lot of pressure. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel a lot of pressure because it's like, ah, oh, this is like such an amazing opportunity and I need to grab it. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, this may be TMI, but like without getting too far into it, <laughs> let's just say that I, I was not super experienced either romantically at the time. So I was nervous about a whole oh, other no! set of situations. <laughs> so I was really nervous about something else, too. I was like, mm, am I going to be any good at this? Is this going to be like, the, am I going to not get, you know, a recur? Because at that time I didn't know it was recurring. But I honestly was like, am I going to blow my chance at like a chance on this show again if I'm just not good at this? <laughs> like, am I going to fuck this up? That's amazing. And then you co-executive produced and hosted AP Bio, the podcast. And you like, oh, yeah. and I know like you pitched this thing. I mean, you, ha you had this thing from the ground up. So tell me what it was like to like pitch to these people that you know and, you know, to, I guess, uh, get a chance to, you know, have this little standalone thing that that goes next to this other experience that you're having to begin like where it even originated was eddie who's my castmate on the show like one of my best friends in real life we had always wanted to work creatively together 
and um we were like okay like let's do a podcast like we we really love podcasts we've bonded over that and we couldn't land at the time on what we wanted it to be about we knew we wanted to interview people we knew we'd probably lean on like our network of of people at ap bio um but we weren't exactly sure what we wanted to do and then all of a sudden i mentioned this before but ap bio season two after season two we got canceled so what was that like how did that how did that feel like what was that whole situation like it was it was crazy like i i mean you know we were like you know this was really fun it was such an amazing experience but you know, it's okay if it's over. It's I've gained so many friends. I've gained so many connections from this amazing experience. I, it's okay to be done. But what was the real crazy part was like the fact that fans like started making save AP bio, you know, trend <laughs> right. on Twitter. And it was spearheaded by Patton and like being able to see all these fans actually like who really cared about the show like tweeting about it to make it trend was like the outpouring of love was insane to see that's super yeah, exciting was, well i mean I, I feel like i buried the lead here too because like you get a chance to like work with pat and oswald all the time how's that <laughs> oh my god i like there's no words to describe how amazing pat and oswald did he pat and oswald is he is legitimately as nice as talented as charismatic and charming as you would think he is he is everything and more. I cannot speak any, like, I can't, ugh, I just love that man so much. I can't say anything. Like, I, I sing such high praises about him. That's so, that's so great. He's the actor who I feel like he's everywhere. The guy is he everywhere and I don't know how everything. it's a thing. <laughs> like, it's amazing. The, he's crazy. I remember, like, we had a table read and um, he was getting dropped off, like, a van was dropping him off right outside, um the the room that we were doing our table read in we're like hey Pat, what's up he's like oh just came from veep i'm like <laughs> you know just as one does just comes from veep and he's it's like i'm impressed he's able to do ap bio and everything else he does and he is amazing um and yeah we got to interview him and like talk to him on the podcast but i mean ratatouille is my favorite animated film of all time hands down and I freaked out the first time I saw him at a table read. I mean, I held it in <laughs> as much as I could, but I was like, oh my God, he's talking and it's Ratatouille and this is amazing. Um, and then I got to know him and amazing. It was just such a cool experience and I'm so glad that I do. Uh, yeah. And fun fact, I actually saw him at a restaurant like <laughs> two months before I booked AP Bio. Wow. And then I, and then I was like, he looks so familiar. Like, and, and I was like, oh, this is Patton Oswald, like, obviously. And I think he was with his co-star from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's so funny you just said that because I was just, I was just about to say that I, I've been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like totally for the first time during this quarantine. Oh, cool. And I like, oh, I, I saw him in it and I was like, again, this guy is in this too. How many roles can this guy have? <laughs> I aspire to have a career like Patton's. Oh, and I remember like at the time he just got nominated for an Emmy, like right before I inter we interviewed him for the podcast. I'm like, I am literally speaking to an Emmy nominated actor. Like, what is this? Like you, he's the best. That's so nice to hear. Him. I'm, I'm really yeah. glad to hear that. Um, yes, yeah. Oh, um, so the podcast, basically, yep. uh, the show got basically the fans were like so excited like wanted the show to come back and basically nbc listened and so moved it from uh, being on nbc to streaming on peacock um and so that's how we kind of got a second life and that whole instance was what inspired the ap bio the podcast a companion podcast to the show and I remember when Eddie was like, should we do a companion podcast? And I immediately was like, that is the best idea ever. Like, <laughs> let's do it. And what was so cool, like, I felt like it was such a full circle moment for me because I actually was able to to bring all my skills and, and all the things I learned at USC into this, like, situation. Like, um, I remember I interned for Hulu and for uh, Showtime and like all these other companies. And during the, that time, I remember having to make a lot of decks and like make a lot of decks and like marketing and all this stuff. And so I was able to bring that skill into this, into this scenario where I like Eddie and I literally made a pitch deck. We filmed a sample pilot. 
got like Allison and a costume designer on our show uh, to like do a, a small interview and we pitched it to Mike who was our who's our showrunner and it was really scary um and but we just like sent an email like trying to be super casual we're like hey like we actually have this idea for like a companion podcast to the show like we'd love and we just sent it and we're like let us know if like there's any interest blah 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 no worries if not and Mike came back to us and he's like I love this idea like such a great sample podcast like I I love everything about it like let's do it like I'll send this off to to Peacock and we're like okay (laughs) all right (laughs) we're like oh my gosh you loved it okay and not we didn't expect anything at all that podcast was our baby we really did everything we luckily had the help of a producer who we got to interview and hire for this project and an editor and um, but really, like similar to this podcast, like Serge, you're in charge of everything that you create on this on on the show, and if you don't do it, it doesn't happen. Yep. Um, and that was us. I we it was the best experience because we really learned a lot about what it means to be a producer, and it also gave us some sort of confidence. I think because eventually, like we want to sell like our own stuff, and it's great practice to be able to say like, "Wow, I already have pitched something, and it was bought." Um, right. So it was, it's, I'm so grateful for AP bio, the podcast, because it, it made me grow as not only an actor, but as a producer and just strengthened a lot of connections. You know, just listening to you talk about your experience, uh, and how it connected to like some of the communication stuff that you did at USC. There's this Steve jobs quote. I think it's from when he gave like a commencement speech at Stanford where he talks about Mm -hmm. how, you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them going back. And I think about that a lot because it's like, you know, you don't know what the connection is going to be to your communication skills necessarily. Um, you don't know what it's going to be. And then all of a sudden you realize on the other side of it, you're like, oh, it was for that moment or it was for this moment, right? It was definitely a full circle moment where I was like, oh, because the the exec of marketing literally said, and this was the moment where I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> USC, it paid off was the moment when she was like oh I love the deck looks great like I I love how you put it together and I like wanted to cry because I was <laughs> like I did that like that's so cool um that someone of that caliber was saying this thing about a deck that I made on google slides <laughs> well and I feel like also what's unique about the podcast is that you have people who are in the show who are doing the podcast about the show and so you know every you know there's a level of like intimacy that you have with all those people that I think I think it comes across because I've listened to an episode or two I feel like it really comes across oh thank you yeah I I think it definitely helped um the fact that we knew a good amount of the people that we were interviewing at the same at the same time there were a bunch of people that we didn't really know and got to know more so it was such a blessing and um it, it really was just a great experience to get to strengthen those connections with people that I didn't really get to talk to or interface with on a daily basis. Like we got to talk to one of the writers, like we talked to the writers like a good amount, but I had never spoken to this one before. Um, And he was a writer on The Good Place and I love that show. And so I was like, I just need to say, I love this show. (laughs) I love The Good Place. (laughs) Right. And um, it, it was just like those little moments of like, just getting that connection and that face-to-face authentic experience with that other person was just really special. More recently, you've been acting in some independent shorts and you've been producing some of those. First of all, why don't you tell me about what projects that you've been doing more recently? I know that you've been producing your own thing that, that, that you wrote. Yeah, I have always wanted to produce um, and get more into that and also write. And so I've been doing a bunch of different projects recently that have been fulfilling those passions of mine. Uh, I am producing and also was, I produced and also am starring in a short called Swearing, written by Mary Bernal. Um, She's currently at Disney TV Animation, which is really cool. And um, we met through USC. And yeah, so that, we shot that like right before the pandemic and all the craziness of that happened. And that was such a learning experience um, and so much fun. And speaking of how the world is so small and how you never know who you're going to meet, I ended up meeting Cole Bacani, and he was the DP on Swearing. 
um, he actually reached out to me asking if I wanted to be a part of a short that he was writing about his Filipino family. And I was like, yep, of course I'm in. And so we got to shoot a short in Illinois this past summer. And it was one of my favorite acting experiences ever. Um, I just really, I, I've told you about this, but I really just got to dig real deep into this character. And it was a character who was based off of a real person. Oh, that's cool. That was a really great experience because I've never gotten to do that before. And I actually got to speak to the person I was playing a, a lot and learn her, you know, her mannerisms and like what makes her tick. And that was such a great experience. And then from there... Cole and I really hit it off and Nicole was also on that project too and Akshay and we're actually starting a production company sort of all together as a collective so to speak to sort of just continue working and creating projects together because we love doing it so much and so um, we're actually going to be producing a short that I wrote and will be acting in. And I'm really excited that should, we're in pre-production and that will be starting in uh, May will be principal photography. That's at least that's the goal. And what's the plan? That's the plan. I don't know what COVID has in mind, but um. I was just going to ask you about how you guys managed to do like an independent film in COVID on location in a different state. So tell me about that. Like, what's that experience like? <sighs> It was intense. And I think that's what made it so special because when we were all together, it was cast crew and it was like, you have no one else. You literally cannot go anywhere else because you have a bubble and you have responsibility to keep everyone safe. There was a lot of SAG protocol at the time. I think it's similar um, regarding COVID where you have to get tested like right before you leave and then as after your plane to wherever you're going, get tested again. And then every three days you're on set, you had to get tested. Um, so it was a lot of swabs up the nose and in the mouth and all that fun stuff. But I think it honestly helped that short and made it that much more special and better because we were all supposed to be, it's a short about his family and the, one of the characters is leaving to go to college and is leaving the family. And we really got to like develop that sort of relationship. And it just made the short so much fun to shoot. And I, I felt like by the end of the trip, I felt like part of Colt's family. And yeah, it was just a crazy time. It was a lot of sanitize, like sanitizing, a lot of making sure everyone was getting tested and a lot of COVID compliance officers telling you right. to be safe. And yeah, it was as safe as it could be given the scenario of, you know, being on location and all this stuff. I mean, I've, I've always been politically inclined and I've always been connected to a lot of these these issues on like the other side of them. And so I'm just thinking about how good the union has been at sort of enforcing the COVID protocol. I think it makes me really grateful to be a part of the union. And like we were talking about earlier, I was just a kid when I sort of was in the union. I didn't really know what that meant. It just meant that I could continue doing what I wanted to do. Mm, neither. You know, but then, you know, to know that now, well, there's a, a lot that goes into it. But I remember getting an email from SAG and there was like a 34 page document, like how the productions are going to work. And this is like the, the, the bubble of like just the principal actors and the director and the DP. And then there's another bubble, like all the other people, you know, who are like accounting or th those people don't get in contact with those people. And you have to get tested a certain amount. And I, I was talking with you and then one other friend of mine who's doing an independent film during COVID and following all the COVID protocols. And I just, I just thought, wow, like the fact that this can even happen during COVID says a lot about the union that they still gave us or gave us the a framework within which we could actually do this safely and do it properly. And I, you know, I have a lot of admiration for your whole production for putting that together and, and, and doing that. That's really great. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel like SAG has definitely made strides and has made it as safe as it can be. Um, it's going to be interesting, like going back to AP bio and like going back to right. this new normal. Um, cause I've, I've had some friends who work in production who are now on sets of different shows that are currently filming and like, there's no more craft services. Um, every time it's like, apparently every 15 minutes you have to clear the room. You have to clear the air so that it can like circulate. And, Whoa. You know, I didn't know about that. Um, I'm like, how does that work with? with filming like you're literally on set and trying to 
you know, do a whole scene and then you have to like cut every 15 minutes. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, but it's, it's the new world that we live in and um, it will be interesting to see how, what it's like when we all are back on set. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm super grateful for there being this protocol. I mean, I get to still audition for projects during this. Yeah. And you're not even in LA. Right. I'm not even in LA. I'm, I'm sitting here in Memphis and I mean, I can still tape all this stuff and, and there are productions that are happening. I'm also intrigued with like how auditions are going to evolve and change. Like are, do you think that? Oh, that's a rabbit hole. Okay. Ask me the question. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, here we go. I'm ready. Do you think that there's going to be any changes to the way that we audition? Um, in the future, like due to COVID, because obviously like you're self-taping, like I'm self-taping. I lived in Colorado for a month and self-taped there. Like it's possible. You don't have to be in LA or have to be in New York to like be in, like be actively auditioning and doing things. I don't think this is the new normal necessarily where everything is taped, everything is remote, but I think it has changed forever because, you know, I'm more thinking about this from from the industry, like the productivity standpoint in terms of being mm-hmm. a casting office, which is just like, you know, when you were doing like cattle calls for commercials and there were like hundreds of people coming in and out of your office every day and you that had to literally have... causes me like stress when I think about that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because of COVID, it's like watching a movie, you know, and like you're looking at the people and you're like, they're not obeying the COVID protocol. Yes. <laughs> they're like, hugging? <laughs> they're at a party? Right. That's how I think of it. when I think about like going into a casting office now, it's like, oh my gosh, like we used to do that. And I have a feeling that, okay, for a lot of those like big cattle call things or like for a first read, it's wh- going to be tape. It's going to be tape. Why wouldn't it be? It doesn't even make yeah. any sense because the truth is like, you know, you're not even seeing as an actor, you're not seeing the actual casting director. Sometimes you're seeing an assistant and they're just taping you. And oftentimes they may give you a redirect, but again, like not really. Sometimes yeah. they just, you know, bring you in, bring you out, see you later. Those things are going to tape, in my opinion, um, which maybe could be good for actors. Maybe in other ways it's re- it's kind of rough because you don't get to have that like live in-person feeling with, with someone else. And that's where, mm-hmm. in my opinion, a lot of the magic gets created. But in terms of people auditioning from other parts of the country or other parts of the world, in some ways it could be great because you're not at a disadvantage if you live in San Francisco or Texas or, you know, wherever, Massachusetts, because you can send in a tape. And if you have representation, you can always worry about having to then for the callback for the next step. It's my opinion. They're still going to have us in person. I don't see it going anywhere else. As much as I don't like, I mean, I, I see the pros and cons of self-tapes. I have learned to love them. Um, and I'm just trying to be like you, Serge, and book <laughs> off the of self-tapes. But, <laughs> I definitely do see the value in them. But I also think that now, like, if you're eliminating the stress of, like, having to drive there, like, get in the, go to the audition and see that person you're always up against. And, like, it kind of gets in your head and, like, casting people sometimes being rude and like people just not being nice and like it it kind of just helps it be about the art right also you get the chance to give them the product that they're looking for at the end anyways you get to frame your shot you get to put yourself in the close-up you know you get to to create your own eye lines and you're in the room that you're, you're comfortable with, so you can put your eyeline on the poster, you can put your eyeline here. Whereas when you go into an office, you have to make a lot of tiny adjustments. Now, now on the other hand, that's to me can be a lot of the fun. Like, oh, I was going to have everything to my right. Now it's got to be to my left. There's definitely an element of, of improvisation there um, that I think is lost. But it also, I think, relieve, like gets rid of some nerves. Yeah. Um, okay, I think the last question I have for you, the last thing I want to talk about really quickly uh, it's just to touch on what your thoughts are on diversity in film and TV. Oh, I could I could go on and <laughs> on and on about the surge. <laughs> I, I have the feeling that like things are better than they were when I'm you know you started or when I started. Things maybe are not exactly where we want them to be. But how how do you feel about that? Like on on you know on the regular, how do you feel about that day to day? Do you feel like it's something that you think about or? Yeah. Do you feel, yeah. What do you think? I feel like I have, I've always known like diversity. We need more of it. Like, you know, 
But as I've gotten older, I feel like I'm now more cognizant and proactive about about it. Like, for example, like now I'm thinking about my own short and like who I want to cast in it and who I want involved. And I really would love to have female producers, black producers, uh, Latino. Like I want that diversity and I feel like diversity is necessary to create something that is actually representative of the world that we live in. Diversity used to be like one category and hold on I'll explain this better when I would go in for auditions I remember going in for a role and it would be all ethnicities right that's right and whoever I'd go in with it'd be black it'd be Latina it'd be Japanese it would be all these different ethnicities and I'm like why why can't we have a role that's written for a black person like, why can't I have, why, why aren't there more roles for Filipinos? Like, I have had one audition in my entire life that was for a Filipino. And I was like, oh my God, this is like revolutionary. I've <laughs> right. never seen, I literally have never seen it before. And um, yeah, I feel like that happened a lot more before. It does still happen, but there, there are strides in the right direction. I mean, where I fall on this is that you know, I, I never want diversity to be a, a token as just like a thing that needs to be done just for the sake of doing it. But I think what you said about the fact that if you want to tell a story that represents the world we live in or is trying to make a comment on the world we live in, then we have to start with the world we live in, which is a place that's diverse, which is a place that has many yeah. different perspectives um, and people who come from many different places or who have backgrounds in many different places. And the all ethnicities thing you're, you're talking about is, is so true. I remember, like, if I got an, and the, and the truth is, like, if I got a role that was all ethnicities, I often knew, I was like, I don't know if I have much of a shot at this. And then when I got a role that was like, oh, we want an Indian American person, then you, re- you read the writing, you're like, oh, this is specific. Oh, yeah. like, this is the story they're trying to tell. And it doesn't even have to be, oh, he's Indian American, like, because of X, Y, and Z. It's just that you can tell that the writing staff or the production is really taking into account, like, no, we're trying to tell the specific story. We have a vision in our head. It represents America in a different way than the way it has been represented on television for 50 odd years, right? And I think that that's a, it's a good place to be. Really quickly, I'll just say that I remember, I don't look at it, at it so much as an injustice, but just something that happened that like would never fly today. I remember I auditioned for a commercial, uh, I won't say exactly where, but I auditioned for a commercial I booked it and it was for a drummer. They wanted a drummer. So I went in to play drum set and I was like, this is really cool. And I booked it and I was like, this is really cool. I get to play drum set on a commercial. And then I got the call. And this was maybe when I was 13 or 14. I got the call finally saying that, oh, like you booked it, but we actually have this other white kid as a drummer. We want you to play tabla, which is like an ethnic Indian instrument. Number one, like I've been around tabla in my life, but I was like, I don't play tabla. I've never played tabla. Like, my friends have played tabla who are Indian. I have never really played tabla. I played for maybe half a year, but that's not the thing I auditioned on, right? And it was like... crazy. On multiple levels, it was bad. Because it was like, this is not my thing, number one. Number two, you're assuming it's my thing. When, (laughs) why would you do that? I've been playing drum set since I was three. And at the same time, like, then... At that time, I was so young, I, I just had to sort of take it. And I went and I like shot this thing and I basically had to mime playing the tabla for this thing. And then I think at the end of the day, I don't know if I ever really saw it on television. So it may not have actually gone anywhere, but... Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that <laughs> happened to you. Well, thank you. I mean... But the thing is like that, what's so sad is like, it's it's truly ingrained in like our society. Like it, Like this sort of behavior that they're now having like actors you know like if you're a young actor and this is happening you're like oh like this is okay like this is this is just what it is like normalized and that should not be normal like i i would like to hope that the world is a better place now like obviously with everything going on and um i i do think that there are movements towards better representation but it's like why in that scenario why weren't you just enough to play the normal drums? I, I, I can't wrap my brain around it. Like when are, like I just want diverse people to be enough. Like characters of diversity should be as complex 
and as layered as any white character on screen. It's well said. I mean, and, I, and you know, and I'll I'll leave us on this note. Knowing you and being your friend, like it makes me very hopeful for the future of this industry. <laughs> I, Thanks. You, you know, too. That's how I feel I'm as well. Very very excited to see all the wonderful things that you get a chance to produce and be a part of. Um, and uh, so you know, diversity in Hollywood. You know, we're coming for you. <laughs> You know, I know we're coming for it. I know we're coming for you. Get we're ready. <laughs> um, but so, Sari, thank you so much for for being with me and for talking with me. And it was so great to have you. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun. Please let me know if you need me again anytime to tell some rejection stories or anything of the like. You can subscribe to Art in All Its Forms, the podcast and the newsletter at artinallitsforms.substack.com. You can also subscribe to the podcast on any of your favorite podcast apps. And if you want to send us a question or comments or concerns, uh, please email us at aiaifpod at gmail.com. That's aiaifpod at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening.